Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. And I'm Justin. And thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, We've got a lot of great stuff going on with the podcast right now. We are past the 3,000 listening mark, which is a big, big milestone to hit. And we passed it quite quickly, a lot quicker than we passed the 1,000 or the 2,000 mark. That's awesome. So really, really excited that more people are tuning in. We're, uh, our subscriber base continues to go up, and we're just continuing to see all these incredible places around the world that are somehow finding this quaint little podcast. Amazing. And they're enjoying it, it seems. Apparently. Um, I've, I'll occasionally check some different platforms and look at reviews, and no one's telling me to you know, go crawl in a hole and stop recording. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Or hopefully just people are being nice, but uh, no, I've just, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from at least people I know that are able to directly talk to me and tell me uh, what they think of it. And so it's just, again, I, I say this every time, but it's continuing to just pass my expectations of what I thought it would be at this point. And it's just given me the the confidence and the desire to just keep making them. That's great. So That's what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, new episodes every Monday morning, 9 Central. So for those of you that are not in the American Central time zone, that's going to be a different time for you. Um, but we've got a new episode every time. Um, we've also got a new feature where if you check the description uh, for the episode, you'll find a link to where you will have the ability to donate to our podcast. What this is going to do is it's going to allow us to continue to upgrade our equipment to be able to where we're not just lending equipment, which is what we're doing now, but we can actually kind of create our own little studio to be able to work out of, as well as it's going to go towards um, research and... Um, being able to, for maybe us to create some other kinds of episodes, maybe another series or something to where uh, we have this main series that we're working on, but maybe we have some other ones. I've got a couple of ideas floating around, but um, donations would absolutely be able to help us get there quickly and to continue to give you great quality and quantity of content. And just a great overall listening experience. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, Check in the description there. It'll tell you exactly how to do that. And also, subscribe. If you're listening for the first time and you like what you're listening to, hit the subscribe button. It'll let you know whenever a new episode is available. And share. If you uh, really like what you're listening to and you want other people to listen to it, um, post on social media. Um, Just tell people if you know also that they love music and they love learning about different bands and artists and genres then definitely spread the word. Word of mouth is very, very important. So um, we want to try and grow this as big as we can. So um, just every listen counts. So thank you, everyone that has been listening. And um, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. This week's band is The Cars. Yes. And so originally I had a different artist planned. And then I found out this last Sunday that Rick Okazic passed away. And I was just like, 
well, we've got to record an episode in honor of him and of the cars. Because now, at this point, the cars are done. We aren't going to get any more cars. They had broken up before, though, hadn't they? They had, but they've on and on again been reuniting. And there was never since the last time they reunited, which was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, which was, they got in last year. Um, They reunited for the first time in several years to do that. And they didn't make any statement after that saying, that was the last time you'll ever see us or, you know, anything could have happened. But now we know for sure that that was going to be the last time that they ever performed together because they've actually already lost one key member of the band. Um, and now they've lost the other one because they actually have two lead singers. Um, Benjamin Orr died in 2000. Mm. He was also the bass player. Uh, he had pancreatic cancer. And then we just lost Rick Okazic, who not only was the other lead singer, but the pretty much the main songwriter. And so, you know, he, if anyone was like the face of the band, even though there wasn't any superstars in the band, they kind of all were on equal playing field. He was definitely the face people associated with the cars. And so I was very, very sad whenever I learned that he had passed away because I would say in the last year or so, they've become one of my favorite bands. They're one of the bands that I think about whenever I tell people I like pop music. And so, like, because I don't talk about, like, modern pop, but, like, when I think of pop music, good pop music, the Cars are usually the first band that comes to my mind. A band that was a great pop group, but also at the same time, they did it in such interesting and unexpected ways. They weren't a really experimental group, like in the maybe the way that Tears for Fears was, but you always knew that something cool and interesting was going to happen in a Cars song. And they were an incredibly innovative band. They, along with the police and talking heads, were pretty much the beginning of the new wave movement. Because when that debut album came out in 78, there was really nothing else that sounded like it. Because it didn't sound like full-on 70s classic rock. Um, because they had a bit more of that synth sound to them. Yeah. And they were definitely always um, on the forefront of um, synth technology and drum machine technology, electronic drums. Um, They were kind of always right at the front, kind of being the first to like test it out and see what the capabilities were of a lot of the technology that would really define the 80s. Um, they were one of the first bands in the late seventies to kind of start to move in that direction because in 78 rock and roll was not in a very good place. You had disco that was ruling supreme. You had punk music that had stripped a lot of the glam and the theatrics of seventies rock away. You know, it wasn't a good time to be, you know, sound like early seventies, David Bowie. And so the car's first record really was able to still have that classic rock feel But for it to be different to where it didn't feel like, oh, it's just another rock and roll group that's trying to do what's been done before. They're doing something different. They're doing something new. And so that first album was a big hit. They didn't have that slow burn of like, you know, after their fourth album, they broke big. They broke big right at the beginning. 
Now, this is a band that I personally had never heard of before, outside of the one famous song, My Best Friend's Girl. See, I don't even think that that's their most famous song. I guess to me it's only famous because it's the only song that I ever heard on the radio. There's a song that's not on this list that I would say is even more popular, but, and I'll talk a little bit more about why I didn't include it, but it's probably a song you would have heard before. Like, I would say their number one most popular song is not on this list. My wife showed me that song, and I had never heard it. Really? Was it Just What I Needed? Mm Mm-hmm. I had never heard that song. Huh. And that's, for whatever reason, My Best Friend's Girl is the only song that I actually had known by them. And then I was like, oh, but I think it's because of the movie, uh, My Best Friend's Girl. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that movie. I think it's a 90s or early 2000s. romantic comedy and it's very cheesy but this song is in it and I think that's the only reason why I know okay. this song I would say that was like one of their other really big songs like if if someone's gonna know a car song that's it's potential that that could have been one of them however I have loved listening to the cars and I had a feeling you would honestly I would say almost as much I enjoyed it almost as much as I did listening to Tears for Fears and The Police I mean I think I'm starting to to realize I've never really known what new wave. I didn't even know that new wave was a genre that existed, but I'm finding that that's really kind of where my my taste level is in. Yeah, pretty much a lot of what you listen to, which is a lot of synth pop and stuff like that, really a new wave was the reason why all that stuff exists now. Yeah. It was the starting point for that branch of music i mean it it was new there really wasn't a lot of styles that came before it that had a lot of influence on it. i mean obviously it came from a classic rock background yeah a little bit of punk as far as the police side and talking head side but with the cars it was pretty much just a melding of pure pop songwriting some classic rock influence and then um and then something new. Again, a lot of it being from the keyboard side. There really wasn't keyboards being prominent and being played in that way in the 70s until the cars came along. I also think Rick Oxick's voice is just its just such a classic. When I think about it in the, in the scope of the 70s and the 80s, like it really, his voice really just stands out. Yeah, because he, he's not your traditional sounding singer. Yeah. He's, that was another thing about and you'll definitely notice this when we eventually talk about Talking Heads. Um, New Wave is very much defined by that vocal style. And I think that between Rick Okazic and David Byrne uh, from Talking Heads, they kind of set the precedence of like, this is what New Wave vocals sound like. Sting didn't really fit in that category. He was such a, a league of his own type of singer. But most of New Wave coming after followed those two guys from the cars and the talking heads and the cars are an american band american band we've we've broken the the british streak we've had going for a while somebody told me that they are they're from boston yep is that correct Mm -hmm. they are and um it's really been the same group of guys about the whole way through um obviously um after Benjamin Orr died in 2000, they were using a different bass player. 
they didn't get another lead vocalist. Just Rick Ocasek would sing all of his songs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had Rick Ocasek on rhythm guitar and lead vocals, as well as the main songwriter. You had um, Elliot Easton on lead guitar. He's a lefty player. And what an incredible guitarist. One of, I would say one of the most underrated guitar players probably ever, because... Every single guitar solo he plays on this list is so good. So tasteful. And so subtly good. Yes. Like, he's not, like, really showing off, but, like, every single guitar solo he plays, I'm just like, that's interesting. That's cool. Yes. It's always so interesting because it's not like like Iron Maiden or uh, even... Uh, even ACDC where you're just like ripping it and just like whether you're going as fast as you can or playing as many notes as you can but like he has some real taste level and just his playing like not only does it fit the song but he plays a lot of really like interesting riffs like in between uh-huh. like the verses and stuff that you're just like oh wow that's actually that's really nice yeah and then you've got um, Greg Hawks on keyboards which he was such a pioneer yeah Absolutely a pioneer. Um, I remember watching their induction ceremony in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I knew of the, I've known of the, of the cars for a really long time. And I would say there's about probably three or four songs of theirs that I always loved listening to. But it was whenever I watched their Rock Hall of Fame induction that I was just like, okay, I need to listen to a lot more of these guys. And I remember Greg Hawks talking and saying how he wanted to go see the Beatles in concert because he was a kid at that time. Um, whenever they the Beatlemania was kind of really um, at its height in the mid-60s. And they told him that he had to learn to play an instrument. And he was just like, okay, I guess I'll play piano. And he, he like practiced, 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 practiced. And he like uh, was able to meet this certain benchmark and they were like, okay, you can go see the Beatles. And they got him a ticket to the Beatles. And I was just like, had it not been for my desire to go see the Beatles in concert, I probably wouldn't have been the keyboard player that I am now, and I wouldn't be being inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right mm-hmm. now. So thank you, the Beatles. Speaking of the Beatles, lots of Beatles influence in this yes. in their music. Absolutely. Um, just the way that they wrote their songs, the way they wrote their hooks. Mm-hmm. Man, great, great hooks. Yeah. Just Rick Ocasek was really a spiritual successor for the experimentation of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And just kind of, again, finding really interesting ways to write simple pop music. Yeah. I can see why when you tell people that what you like about pop music, this is what you would think of. I mean, this is at its core, everything that pop is about. Because everything really is distilled down to its essential simple nature there's no no one's overplaying on any song there's you know there's no long songs there's no intricate solos like every song is condensed to exactly what it needs to be and in a lot of ways it's like it's completely antithetical to what heavy metal is to what progressive rock is to a lot of the stuff that i also really really love there's just something so pure about Cars songs. So easy to latch on to, such catchy lyrics, and even just instrumentally wise, I mean, it's just, it's fun, it's light, and it's interesting. And yet it just, it doesn't sound like anything else. They were, how they were able to take things to such a simplistic level and yet make such unique, original sounding songs. 
like there's no other song out there that sounds like good times roll yeah like that's so that's so very specific sounding the way the parts are played to the way they sound to the way that they're all put together you can tell they're not copying anyone yeah that they're really just making something that's completely unique to them while at the same time being so simple i think that that's one of the hardest things that you could do as a musician well before we get too ahead of ourselves yeah we've already started getting to our list let's take a quick break all right when we get back we'll uh, look at our list of songs for the cars when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We are talking about the cars. Specifically, we are um, remembering the late, great Rick Okazic, who was found um, dead in his New York apartment on um, September September 15th. Yeah, that was Sunday, I believe. If you're new to this podcast, what we do is every episode, I will pick a set of songs, usually six, to... Um, try and best represent a particular artist. So like, for instance, Justin had never heard of the cars before. Nope. And all but one of the songs he had never heard before. So I tried to create a list and I'm actually, most of the time I try and fulfill two purposes, but this time I was fulfilling a third purpose as well. First one being that if you've never heard this band before, what is the best introduction to this band possible? The second being I needed a set that has a great emotional flow from start to finish. So you've got a great starting point and then all the songs are working together to get to a very specific ending point that hopefully leaves you satisfied or with some kind of strong emotional feeling. And then the third being that there is a theme to this list. Like I said earlier, the cars had two lead singers. All six songs in this list had Rick Okazic on lead vocals. So that's why they're probably most famous song just what i needed is not on this list is because that was sung by their other singer benjamin Orr. uh there's also a score of other really famous songs from him like drive and let's go that um are not on this list because he sang the lead vocal on it and we're specifically in honor of rick okazic focusing on songs that he sung lead on there's a instructions in the description of this episode to uh find a spotify playlist with these songs on them if you have never listened to this band before or you've never heard the songs that we are talking about please go to this spotify playlist and listen to these songs trust me you're going to be better off listening to these songs these are all great great songs and um, even if you have heard these songs before, you may get a new perspective on them from the order that they're put in. Um, maybe you um, know some of the songs, but you don't know all of them. Listen to them. Listen to them in the order that they're put in. There's a very specific reason they're in the order that they're in. So um, just check the, um, the description of the episode. It'll tell you exactly how to find that episode. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in to the songs for this list. Now we already touched on a little bit in our intro of what our first song is, and that is Good Times Roll. Good Times Roll. So this was 
everyone's introduction to the Cars. This is the first song off the first album. And so what a way to just introduce yourself to the world. Agreed. I, To my knowledge, they didn't release any singles ahead of the album. So this really would have been people get the album, put it on, needle drops, and that opening guitar riff Yes, that's starts. panned. Yeah. That, that was the beauty of uh, of stereo. Because um, you, you, a lot of bands really experimented with the left and the right and like yeah. how things would move and how things would be only in the left channel and other things only in the right channel. Um, and the Beatles were kind of the first to really experiment with that. But the cars definitely were among the best to implement that use. Because, I mean, everyone was listening on speakers. People weren't listening like, you know, on iPods or on CDs. It was, you know, it was a vinyl with with speakers and you would hear very specific things, especially if you were listening with headphones and you could feel where things were coming in left and right. This song really kind of encapsulates everything that The Cars is all about. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just with the great synth line in that first instrumental, um, of course, the pan guitar intro, and then even just the gang vocals in the chorus, almost very Queen-like kind of reminded me of. funny you should say that. So the producer for their first two albums was a man named Roy Thomas Baker, and he's the one that produced Queen specifically with Bohemian Rhapsody. So there's, I was actually going to say that anyway, and (coughs) and you said it for me. Which was good. That means that you picked up on it. Um, but yeah, so there's that's very, very good reason for that is because it's the same guy that that produced Queen, produced the first two Cars records. Overall, though, I mean, such a such catchy instrumentation. I mean, for an opening song on your opening record, mm-hmm. I mean, I can see why people immediately just fell in love with the Cars. Yeah, and I've loved driving around. Tulsa and seeing billboards that just say, let the good times roll. And I was just like, that's like the best way that you could sum up Rick Ocasek's life is he just, he let the good times roll. He didn't get caught up in the rock and roll lifestyle. He wasn't the partier. He wasn't the guy that was always strung out on drugs, um, trying to be in the center of the spotlight all the time. He just, he literally just let the good times roll and was just like, wherever it rolls, you just just let it roll. Don't try and force it. Don't try and control it. Life is just about, you know, going with the punches. And you're just kind of lucky to be along for the ride. Um, but a lot of the times it was a good time. And so um, I just think that that was a great way to just kind of, you know, as a if you're going to pick one statement yeah. to um, pay tribute to Rick, it would be let the good times roll. Now this takes us to our second song, Shake It Up. Yes. So the history of the cars was they hit really big on that first album. Second album did really good. It didn't get as big as the first album did, although they did have uh, one single that cracked the top 20 for the first time on that second album being Let's Go. And then they released that super experimental dark third album, um, which was Panorama. And they barely got one top 40 single out of it. And it's kind of like the the album that everyone's just kind of like, mm, we kind of forget about this one. Yeah. And they didn't get a lot of radio play. The album didn't sell as well. And it wasn't very critically well received. 
And so the fourth album was Shake It Up. And that was kind of like them going, okay, we get it. We didn't make an album everyone likes. Let's make an album everyone's going to like this time. And um, that did just that. Is Panorama the album with the flat with the race car flag? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I listened to the first four albums today, uh-huh. and I did notice in Panorama it does take a very different turn. Yeah, and it's definitely not as interesting um, to listen to as some of their other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so Shake It Up is kind of a, a very intentional course correction. Of yeah. Kind of just going, I mean, we it's kind of like they they wanted to be arty, they wanted to be ex- push boundaries, but not at the expense that they're going to get dropped by their label because they're making an album that's too weird for people to get into. Very 80s-like, of course. Oh, yeah. This is definitely, you know, this would have been about 81 that this album came out. The 80s weren't in full swing musically at that point yet. You didn't have a lot of your synth pop bands starting to get big at this point. Um, so Shake It Up was really a pioneering song as far as all the electronic looping drums and all of the the layers of synths. And then, man, what a freaking roaring guitar solo on this oh, song. My goodness. It's not exactly what you would have expected from a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've listened to Cars before in some of their earlier stuff, it's it's. I mean, it's in the same vein, but still, like... For something in for eighties music, it's not what you would have thought mm-hmm. about when it came to a guitar solo. Yeah. It's what is so fun about the cars is you you kind of think you know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And then that guitar solo just comes out of left field, but at the same time it's the perfect thing for that song. And you're just kinda like, Oh, okay, this is this is really interesting. That guitar solo has always been like burned in my brain. Cause that was one of the songs, few songs that I had been listening to of the cars a really long time before I got deep into them. And that guitar solo always popped out in my brain of why I liked that song when I was a lot younger and a lot more narrow-minded about the songs that I listened to. And of course, catchy melody with the shake it up line. Yeah. Um, Especially towards the end with all the ad libs, the vocal ad libs in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, just kind of a real, almost a kind of a throwback to what really got them popular in the first place yeah it's kind of a return to form after a bit of a misstep with panorama and that brings us to our third song my best friend's girl so this is the one that you knew beforehand yes this is the second song off of their debut album so imagine putting on an album good times roll goes and then immediately my best friend's girl starts yeah and you're at that point if you're listening to that album the first time and you've never heard of this band you'd be like okay this band this band's not your average band that's just trying to come up this is something special here and then if you were to keep listening just what i needed would be the next song on the album so crazy and you're just like holy crap this album is stacked yeah but in the late 70s there was also a revival of a bit of the rockabilly 50s sound yeah it's the reason why queen's crazy little thing called love went to number one in 1979 um that was kind of a bit of a fad of just kind of a bit of a throwback retro thing at the time that people were into. And I think that really helps the song. You can tell that they were paying attention to what, cause there's the guitar in that song is very old school sounding. Yeah. Very twangy, very, very country like. Yeah. And it's funny because if you have never listened to that period of music, like, like I have hearing that and then hearing country music today, 
It's very like just the the style and even the the tone of the guitar. It's very 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 similar. Mm-hmm. This song similar even to um, Good Times Roll. Very some very Beatles like. Yeah, this is this is a very yeah. I can definitely see that. It's just it's simple. It's the the hooks are the most important thing of the song, and uh, I wanted to talk about Rick's lyrics for a little bit because he always has an underlying theme of kind of what he's writing about and he always has this like even when he's writing happy songs there's always like an irony or a sarcasm that's built into it yeah he was really good at just writing these very self-deprecating very morose lyrics when you really look at them because Good Times Roll is not about about where what he felt at that time, but about what times used to be like. People used to let the good times roll. And he felt that kind of, you know, rock had lost that ability. So he's commentating on what it used to be and what it isn't now. So he's saying we need to let the good times roll again. And obviously it's a bit more obvious with my best friend's girl, but she used to be mine. Like, yeah. Because, um, I mean, until the chorus you think that he's talking about a girl maybe that just he's infatuated with like that he wants to date like because he's talking positive things about us you see her dancing down the street you know here she comes again when she's dancing beneath the starry sky like it's almost like you think oh he just he sees her from afar and he wants to get to know her and then he starts singing she's my best friend's girl and you're thinking oh well maybe he's just jealous you know and he wants to have her and then he ends with but yeah. she used to be mine and you're just like Oh, this is this sucks. <laughs> I also think it's really interesting that the that whole section of the chorus, compared to the rest of the the song, it's kind of understated. Like everything else in in the verses and stuff is a lot more upbeat. It's a lot more energy, and then all of a sudden the chorus comes and it just kind of like comes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and I I think it's really interesting that it mirrors that just almost kind of how he's feeling in yeah. that moment, just seeing. It's kind of like he he all of a sudden remembers. Um, I used to have her. It's like he gets yeah. so caught up in what he sees and what he feels of just like, oh, this is the perfect girl. Everyone wants her. She's my best friend's girl. Um, she used to be mine. I had her and I lost her. And probably in the sense of I've got to be around her all the time now because she's dating my best friend. I also really love just how this song ends just with the gang vocals, just saying, here she comes again. Mm-hmm. Just this, again, so Beatles-like so to see, end it. And so then that means that whenever you have that realization of that it's your best friend's girl that used to be yours, it's like now when they say, here she comes again, it's not any more of, I'm excited she's coming again. It's now, she here she comes again, she's going to be a constant reminder of what I lost. Yeah. Oh, what a great song. Yeah, that's a it's an all-time classic. So this takes us to then to our fourth song, You're All I've Got Tonight. This is kind of my deeper cut. It's not really a deep cut because this is a song you, you'll hear on radio from time to time, although it never got released as a single. It's kind of retroactively become one of their beloved songs, but this is definitely overtly showing a darker side of Rick Ocasek's yeah. lyrics. And you kind of almost have like a hard rock, maybe even an yeah. early metal feel to it, especially with the the chromatic guitar line and and the really aggressive soloing yeah. in this song. I think the the guitar work in this song is is incredible. I mean, it's so catchy. And especially for being a song, like we said, that is a little bit more on the rock side, almost 
borderline touching the metal side. It it just, it, for whatever reason, it's just so fascinating. And there's still obviously some great synth stuff, especially in the chorus, mm-hmm. um, that kind of hallmark of Cars. But um, the rock f- feel here really works for this song. Yeah. And just... For me, this is the this is the kind of song I think of when I think of how pop music could be more, because mm. they're using they're not using the four chords of pop, they're like using chromatic lines, they're using key changes, yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't feel jarring. It yeah. feels natural, and it's just kind of like we we could have so many more interesting songs if we had this style of songwriting. And I really love how going back to the guitar stuff, like how the lead guitar almost acts like a callback in the verses. Like it's Mm -hmm. playing these little riffs here and there. That's kind of like helping to accentuate almost like another vocal. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And then, yeah, the lyrics is just like, he's literally just talking about how this woman is terrible to him. (laughs) But at the same time, it's just kind of like, you're all I've got tonight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't care if you use me some more. Like he knows exactly what's going on, but it's just kind of like, I don't got anything better to do. So, you know, you're, you're all I've got. So I might as well just stick around until something better presents itself. I think you're right. Just what you said earlier, just about how if modern day pop music kind of took a throwback to this, like rather than, you know, like a lot of modern day pop music is just like layers, different layers of sounds that are coming in at like specific points. But in like in this example, like with You're All I've Got Tonight, not only is there just different layers, but there's so many different interesting individual parts for each part of the song that really makes this works so well like when those vocals come in right before the chorus drops yeah. so that ah, ah, and then that chorus just opens up and you're just like oh wow and, and then that, it, and then it constricts back in the bone tonight yeah. i said i need you tonight and i love how it breaks out in again into this like classic rock guitar solo and then how it builds back into the chorus just the dynamics mm-hmm. on there so interesting like you expect that part of the song just kind of be like this down part and then it just kind of takes off again and goes back in there yeah and it's a shame that i couldn't use the song that normally comes after it on this album which is bye bye love because the on the album it this the two there's no pause it just goes straight into the next song so you've got that but tonight and it just goes straight into the next song but that song was sung by benjamin Orr, so it doesn't fit the theme for but we'll 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 listen to that song at some point because it's one of my favorite car songs. So instead, we get into song number five, which is Heartbeat City. Heartbeat City. So for me, I wanted to kind of like, if I'm gonna have this hard cut, I wanted to do something a little more unexpected, and I wanted to really even go deeper into the darkness of what you know he's writing about and the kind of song that he's trying to create. And Heartbeat City was really kind of, in my opinion, it was the last great moment of the, for the cars. Yeah, I think I would so agree I, with that. So I had talked about how they, Panorama was that third album, didn't do well. Then they got back on track with Shake It Up. They took a little bit of a break after that. And they came back in 84 with Heartbeat City and it ended up being their biggest album. It was kind of like their... Um, while I would say that in retrospect, the first album is loaded with more great songs, 
Heartbeat City is an incredible record. I would say it's definitely their number two yeah. album. And it had their biggest singles. Um, Drive was on there. It got to number three on the charts, which is the highest any of their songs ever got. And it was kind of where they reached the ultimate conclusion of what they were trying to get to. They never really um, were able to top it afterward. It was kind of like their whole career worked up to Heartbeat City. And it was kind of after that, I was just like, they didn't really have much else to say. Yeah. They had another album that came out, Door to Door, which is not a very good album. Then they took a really long break after that, made a new album in like 2011. And again, it's just like, if you've been out that long and you make an album like that, it's just like, it's usually not going to be very um, relevant. But Heartbeat City, in my opinion, is kind of like the end of what the cars were trying to accomplish in heartbeat city the song is the last song on that album so i feel like it's like kind of like a perfect end to what the cars were doing but if you notice i didn't make it the last song on this list it's true so um because i wanted to end on a very specific feeling and moment so heartbeat city the song 80s all over it yes i mean very sinister oven just Everything that I personally love about the 80s, 80s synth is, I mean, in every part of the song, there's just, and, you know, we talked about just how they really experimented with a lot of panning in their, mm-hmm. in their, in their albums. Like this song is definitely a great example of this. I mean, there's just so much happening throughout this song. Yeah. And how I was saying that like up and up through Shake It Up, they were really pioneering a lot of what was going on in the 80s. And then by the time they released Heartbeat City, kind of everyone had caught up with what they were doing. And so they made this album in the midst of kind of what they helped establish. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, Heartbeat City is kind of them still saying, we're still a little bit ahead of you. Because you weren't really hearing 80s music like the song Heartbeat City. Yeah, it was. You still were a little bit removed from bands like The Cure... Like it was almost really predicting a little bit where pop was going to go in the late eighties, early nineties. When you've got bands like Suxi and the Banshees, and kind of more of these these dark, almost gothic style pop groups. Like it's a very brooding. It doesn't have really a lot of dynamics to it. It's yeah. just kind of it's more of like just like creating this like this gloomy atmosphere. Like you're like you're driving through this old city in the middle of the night and it's just kind of like you know the headlights are on but that's like the only light and you're just driving down the road yeah and you have a lot of these like little intricacies and you know hallmark again of the cars of just like little things that are kind of like flashing across the pan that you kind of hear Mm -hmm. um but yeah you're right It, it is a very I don't want to say atmospheric, but it is definitely a lot more moody than it's definitely what not. Done. It's not concentrated as much on parts yeah. and on you know even really sh- like specific song parts. It's kind of like everything is just working together in this very loose structure to kind of just create this tangible feeling. Of just kind of like, again, the thing I always think of is just like you're driving your car in the middle of the night and your headlights are the only thing creating light. And it's just kind of like you're you're getting glimpses of things as you're passing by driving through Heartbeat City. <laughs> now, you said you had originally wanted to end with this song, but instead. 
I actually didn't say I originally wanted to. It's just because it's it is, in my opinion, when you're listening through the car's discography, that's a great ending point. But I didn't want to end on the darkness. I wanted to bring it back to the light side and kind of like end with an upbeat feeling. And this is why we end with you might think. Yes. This is kind of like almost like we've we've gone through the darkest of night and now it's morning again. That's kind of what I was wanting to accomplish with this structure. Classic 80s pop love song for me. Yes. This was one of the few songs of theirs to make it to the top 10. I think it made it to like number eight. It won the very first at the very first MTV Music Awards. Mm. It was the first winner of Best Video. Interesting. And um, so they were even pioneering the music video at that time. It beat Michael Jackson's Thriller that year. Wow. That is an, a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Did not know that. They uh, And a big part of it was because they were using a lot of computer um, special effect elements. Oh. And so it was kind of like, you know, everyone was going, whoa, how are they doing that? Like, Because he was like superimposing himself on different things. Uh, I and, could see that. I mean, when you think, when I, if I remember correctly, Thriller is very much just, I mean, Michael doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Just that old, that style of group dances and stuff like that. Yeah. They were, the cars were doing something new. Again, always the innovators. Maybe if they weren't as much innovating musically on Heartbeat City, although dang well perfecting it, they were definitely moving forward in the realm of video and kind of figuring out, you know, where's video going to take us? And then just the song itself is so good. It's very, very well written. Just a great pop song. Yeah. And I just, I love so much Rick's vocal performance on this song. Yeah. It's a little bit unlike his other performances where it's a little more in his lower register. He's singing up higher on this. And yeah. he's and the lyrics are a little more optimistic than normal. Yeah. Like he it's almost kind of like a the continuing story of you're all I've got tonight. Where it's it's someone you can't leave in this instance, it's someone he doesn't want to leave, even though he knows that this girl is crazy. He knows that um, she's hard to deal with. And it's also from the perspective of the girls knows that she's hard to handle and that she's a hand that, you know, she's temperamental and, you know, very moody. And she's kind of saying, you're crazy for wanting to be with me. And he's just like, yeah, you might think I'm crazy, but I still want you. Yeah. It's a very unconditional love type song. Yeah. I really love that. I think that melody is just so catchy. The You Might Think I'm Foolish, this mm-hmm. chancy rendezvous. I love that lyric. You Might Think I'm Crazy, All I Want Is You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole line is is just so, it's so fun. My favorite part of the song is the middle part. When they go to the bridge and then it cuts down and you go, but you kept yeah. it going. Until yeah, the yeah. sun fell down. Boom. You kept it going. Boom. And then it comes back in with the guitar solo. Yes. I think if there's any one Rick or Kazakh song that if I was just like, you just need to play one song, I think that's the song I would want to put on. It's my favorite car song is actually not on this list, but you might think is a, is a close contender for me. Yeah. I think it's, I think similar to, um, to good times roll and shake it up. Like it's just, 
it's everything you would want in a pop in a, just a great pop song. Yeah. And it just encapsulates like everything that's great about pop music. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. So that's our list of six. The cars. The cars. What a great band. I'm really glad that I got to introduce them to you. I mean, yes, the we were gonna talk about another band, but um I'm glad that I mean obviously I'm not glad that Rick passed away, but I'm glad that we I got an excuse to talk about them now instead of waiting till later. I think that other band would have been a great conversation because I do know that band pretty well. Yeah, we won't spoil what it is, no. but um, I'm sure we'll get to them. Oh yeah, we will. And there's actually going to be an interesting connection between the band we were going to do and the Cars, the band that we did instead. Um, but I'll talk about that when we get there. So that's our list. Um, hang tight with us. We'll be back here in a minute and talk about our bonus song. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about the cars in honor of um, the late, great Rick Okazic, who died on uh, September 15th. So we just talked about the six songs that we were doing for them, which, as a recap, were um, Good Times Roll, uh, Shake It Up, My Best Friend's Girl, You're All I've Got Tonight, Heartbeat City, and You Might Think. So now we're going to get into our bonus song. If you're listening for the first time, what a bonus song is, is I like to throw in an extra song from uh, perhaps a lesser-known artist or a one-hit wonder or an artist that maybe just for whatever reason I wouldn't commit an entire episode to. It'll be my chance to kind of highlight a song here and there. Um, also, I like typically for the bonus song to have some kind of connection to the main artists that we're talking about in the episode, whether that be they're from the same genre, um, that they're pulling from their influence, or they're from the same region. Perhaps it's a side project or solo project from the band. Um, but usually I like for there to be some kind of thing to where it's not just me picking a random song. So the bonus song that we're doing for the cars is... Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups. So I kind of have a bit of a, a lazy reason for picking <laughs> this band. It's because the name of the band is a type of car. <laughs> oh, I was oh. trying so hard to figure out what the connection was. And I even asked my wife. Actually, fun fact for you. Uh, my wife actually saw Silver Sun Pickups. Um, she saw them in OKC. They mm -hmm. opened up for uh, OK Go. Interesting. And that's I have, how she saw them. I have also seen Silver Sun Pickups as an opening group, but instead of uh, for OK Go, I saw them open up for Muse in Dallas. Interesting. Hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's literally the reason why <laughs> I picked. I, we, we made the decision to do the cars instead fairly last minute, so I didn't have time to, like, find a really good... Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out, because even, like, from, a, like... From at first, I thought I was like, oh, I wonder if like they'd have a similar sound because I'd never, I'd never heard of Silver Sun Pickups, and I was just like, no, this sounds more like late '90s, early 2000s alternative that I grew up with, like very Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, style. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I don't think that's what it is. And I, so I, I was up to this point, I was just like, what the heck is the connection for this? Sometimes, if I, if there's still some connection, I really like to have the bonus song be like complete contradiction sound wise from the main artist like I remember um, 
one time when I was doing my personal playlist and there's a group me that I have going where I'll do, you know, kind of where I get this, this structure from. I remember I did uh, one where I did rage against the machine and I did Rick Astley as the <laughs> bonus song. And literally there was no connection there. It was just because I wanted to have polar opposite sounding music. So sometimes if I can find the connection, like again, silver sun pickups is a car to yeah. the cars. I did think in my mind, I just go, but at the same time, I can kind of get something that sounds really different than the cars and not just be more of the, you know, similar sounding thing from an inferior artist. There's a real interesting change in the dynamic of this song that I wasn't expecting because it kind of gets a little bit more heavy yeah. towards the middle. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a hard turn. All of a sudden, like, he just starts screaming. Yeah. But then it never happens again. I know. I, it's funny listening through it. It just, I mean, noting the time period, it just, it reminded me of Nirvana there. It's just like, oh, like, but mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was just so out of, out of the blue, especially you would not have expected that with, especially with how the song starts. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay. The thing that I love the most, the most about the song is the guitar. Yeah. The guitar really takes you on a journey throughout this whole song. It's got a real catchy melody. Yeah. And um, just the way that the guitar starts off very simple, and then it starts to introduce some more intricate guitar lines. Mm -hmm. And the song just kind of keeps building, and then it gets to the guitar solo, and just like everyone's just rocking out, and the guitar is just going crazy. And then it brings it right back down to where we started at the very end. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Haley told me this, but uh, an interesting fact about the Silverson pickups is similar to Fleetwood Mac. They are a couple of couples, this band. Hmm. I did not know that. Everyone in the band is dating each other. Hmm. Interesting. So. Thank you, Haley, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't do a lot of research on this. I've, I've heard this song many, 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 many times. But I didn't do any really research again because we kind of made this decision to go last minute. But yeah, so that's our bonus song. So let's talk about your your final thoughts, your conclusion on listening to the cars. Truly, truly enjoyed listening to the cars. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but they really hit on just the target genre that I really enjoy very much, just with lots of synth stuff. But still interesting enough that they have a bit of a rock flair um, and almost, you know, classic rock flair in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, love Rick's voice. Um, It's a terrible tragedy that he's he's gone. I mean, his voice really came to to define just not just that time period, but just even just the genre of of new wave, Mm -hmm. Um, especially here in America. And then. Man, just so much, so much fun music. So many little musical intricacies, whether it be you know guitar lines or synth hits or arps. I mean, just so many. They just made all their songs so interesting to listen to. Um, and as hard as it was listening to to Panorama, um, there's still some really great stuff just in there, and that I I think I really I just really enjoyed it. And so, and really great guitar work. I mean, as understated as as possible but just still really really great guitar work yeah so I I mean to me I would definitely I know I said I put a few weeks ago we did the police was it last week no it was two weeks two ago two weeks ago and I said I put the police up there I would honestly put the cars above 
the police. What do they make it above Tears for Fears? Oh, that's so hard. I don't know yet. But I think you know, you and I said it earlier, but just everything that you love about pop music, I think the cars just did so well. Yeah. And it just it's not something that has been replicated ever since. Mm-mm. I mean, just the way that they were able to make all these defining characteristics of pop, but still bring in these subtle little elements that just made it so interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat. Love, yeah. love, love, love it. I'm really, really glad that they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before he passed away. That would have added an extra level of sadness for me if he didn't get to see, because that's what happened with another one of my favorite bands, Yes. Um, their bass player, Chris Squire, who was the only member of the band to be on every single album, died like two years before they got in the Rock Hall of Fame. And I was just like, gosh, dang it, they should have gotten in sooner, just so he could be there for that moment, because it was his band. And I'm glad that Rick got that and that we got one last Cars reunion, because they also got to play several songs. I don't know if you've ever watched a Rock Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Pretty much what they do is they, you know, they they have someone else induct them in, um, someone with some relationship to the band, whether it be, you know, an older group or someone that is a friend of the band. They'll give, like, their big speech. Um, And then the band themselves come up and they all get a turn to talk and express their... Uh, thanks to everyone, like kind of like the Academy Awards. Yeah, and then they'll they'll play a few songs, and so they got they played four songs. They played you might think they played. Um, I want to say they played Good Times Roll. They played Moving in Stereo, and they played Just What I Needed. And so that was like that. And then it turns out that that was the last time they'd ever play together. Which I'm glad that that was the the place they got to do it at a place where they were the, they were receiving such a high honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great way to go out. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't really pick a better last performance than playing at your hall of fame induction ceremony. Yeah. I almost wish, you know, just after we talked about the police, like I almost wish they had a similar story to where like, you know, police ended it. And then like, that was it. Like there was no, they didn't have like that terrible, musical album mm-hmm. or that like subpart musical album. If they had ended with Heartbeat City, it would have been. Yeah. I wish. I mean, maybe with Panorama, but to end on that, on that high note. I, know. I so wish that would have been the case, but. It, it, it rarely happens. Yeah. When the police did it, that was a very rare thing, but yeah. So that's the episode. Um, next week. Um, I'm actually not going to say right here, the artists that we're going to do each time. I'm going to make you, you guys that are listening, check on Monday morning, 9 Central, to see what the next episode's going to be. But I'll give you guys a little bit of a hint. So the Cars debut album came out in 1978. The band that we're going to talk about next week, their debut album also came out in 1978. And just like the Cars, it shaped popular music forever. And so, so it's. The, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> if you were to say it, I'd have been like, "What?" But I'm sure those of you that know your music history will know exactly who I'm talking about. But 
Um, if you don't, then let the suspense ring out and come and join us next time. Remember, hit that subscribe button. It'll let you know whenever we have new content out. Check out the description for um, donating to our channel. It really helps us out. And uh, just continue to tune in, listen to us. Thank you so much. I'm Lucas. And I'm Justin. Keep on listening to good music.